Good morning. Glad to have you in the house of the Lord at Mac today. Lord, send the fire today. We need your fire, God. Oh, God of burning, cleansing flame, won't you send the fire? Your blood ball gift today we claim. Send the fire today. Hallelujah. Can you sing that again? Oh, God of burning, cleansing flame, send the your blood bought gift today we claim send the fire today look down and see this waiting host send your promised holy ghost how we need another pentecost send the fire or oh, can you sing it send the fire in the fire, yes, Lord. We'll send the fire today. Won't you send the fire? Send the fire. Send the fire. Send the fire today. God of Elijah, hear our cry, send the fire, and make us fit to live or die, send the fire today, to burn up every trace of sin, to bring the light, glory in, the revolution now begins. Send the fire today, send the fire, send the fire, how we need it, Lord, yes, send the fire today, send the fire, yes, Lord. Won't you send the fire today? Yes, Lord. Oh, it's fire we want, for fire we plead. Send the fire. This fire, it'll meet our every need. Send the fire today. For strength to always do what's right. For power to walk the world in wide, send the fire today, send the fire, send the fire, send the fire, yes Lord, send the fire, send the fire, send the fire. 
To make our weak hearts strong and brave, sin and fire. To live a dying world to save, sin the fire today. Oh, yes, and see us on your altar lay. We give our lives to you, Lord. Oh, let's sing that again. Oh, and sing a song your altar lay. We give our lives to you today. So crown the offering now, we pray. Send the fire today. Send the fire. Send the fire. Oh, yes, today, Lord. Sin the fire today, sin the fire, sin the fire, sin the fire, sin the fire today, sin the fire today, sin the fire today. Hallelujah. Why don't you just ask him that right now? Lord, send the fire today. Lord, we welcome you in your house all over this place. And Lord, the cry of our heart in this place is to send the fire today. Lord, we need you. We need the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives, in, the, in this world, in the, in the darkness that we live in today, that we know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. Send the fire today, we pray in Jesus' name. All over this place, why don't you give him a hand clap of praise? Why don't you lift him up this morning? Why don't you personally welcome him in his house today and let the cry of your heart be, Lord, send the fire. We don't need another church program, I can tell you today. We don't need another church program. We don't need another scheme to figure out how to do it. We just need to go back to the book and understand that he's given the church every tool it needs if we just want it. We need the power and the fire of the Holy Ghost again in the church. We gotta have him. We gotta have him. You gotta have him. Could you sing it one more time? Send the fire. Send the fire. Come on, put your hands together and ask him. Send the fire. Yes. Send the fire. Send the fire today. Oh, it's fire we want. Fire we want. For fire we please. Send the fire. Come on, is that the cry of your heart today? It'll be. Our every need, send the fire today. Lord, I need strength. For strength, strength to always do what's right. Grace to come 
conquer in the oh, for fight. power, for power. For power to walk the world in a while. Send the fire today. Send the fire. Send the fire, Lord. Send the fire today. Won't you send the fire? Send the fire. Send the fire. Send the fire today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Send the fire. Send the fire. Church, that's been the overwhelming cry of my heart for months. Lord, send the fire. Send the fire. Send the fire. That's where, that's where the church is built. That's where souls are added daily. Is when the power of the Spirit touches earth again. Send the fire. Send the fire. We have our ushers this morning. We'll receive our Sunday morning tithe and offering. We're thankful today to have Dr. Larry and Linda Martin with us. I've been waiting for this day. I, I, he'll get a proper introduction later, but, I, but one thing I love about Larry Martin, there's, that he is a keeper of the flame. You don't hear me. Because, see, we got two choices today. Sister Tennyson taught me that we can either be keepers of the flame or, or, uh, or we can tend the ashes. And when, the, when all you have is ashes, there's nothing left. Larry Martin, Pentecostal historian, revivalist, missionary, curator of, of, of Pentecostal gold, the greatest sermon archive in the world, I believe. And today he's going to be with us, and I'm thankful. And it's a treat, it's an honor to have the Martins with us today. Give the Martins a hand this morning. Amen. I think the only announcement this morning is, ladies, there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer for the cookie decorating class coming up June 3rd uh, here at the church. I think it's June 3rd at 6.30. The sheet's in the foyer. So if you're interested in that, check it out on your way out. In the meantime... Why don't we just have church this morning? We're here. We're here. The best thing we can do is just let the Lord have his way all over this house. The best thing we can do is let the Lord have his way all over this house. So let's do that. John, bless this offering. I'm standing here this morning just because I'm breathing I can say that God is good yes he is he's good all the time oh, God is good no he is he's good all the time you can search the whole world over no greater friend you'll find 
good just once in a while. Oh, he's good all. Oh, can you sing it this morning? Oh, God is good. Yes, you are, Lord. whole world over no greater friend you'll find no greater friend you'll find he's not good just once in a while oh let's sing it again oh god is good yes he is he's good all the time god is good i know he is you can search the whole world over, no great friend you'll find. Oh, I've tried. Well, he's not good just once in a while. He's good all the time. Oh, now we've all had friends who let us down. You know what I'm talking about. At the very first sign of trouble, where well, they're nowhere to be found. Oh, but Jesus stays when others go. He'll never leave your side. No, he won't. He's your friend in stormy weather. Because he's good all the time. God is good. Yes, he is. He's good all the time. Oh, I praise you today. The whole world over, no greater friend you'll find. Oh, he sticks closer than a brother. He's good all. Oh, yes, God is good. Yes, he is. He's good all the time. God is good. He always is. The whole world over, no greater friend you'll find. He's not good just once in a while. He's good all the time. Oh, he's the one you call in the middle of the night when your body screams in pain. That wayward child, he heard you call his name. He'll put food your kitchen when you don't have a dime. Yes, he's not good just now and then. He's good all the time. Oh, God is good. I know he is. God is good. I know he is. He's good all the time. You can search the whole world over, no greater friend you'll find. He's not good just once in a while. Oh, and I am blessed. I am blessed. Every day that I live, I am blessed. And you say that this morning when I wake up. In the morning, before I lay my head to rest, I am blessed. I am blessed. 
Can you sing it? I am blessed. I am blessed. Yes, every day that I live, I am blessed. And I'll wake up in the morning, for I lay my head to rest. Can you sing it one more time? I am blessed. I am blessed. Every day that I live, I am blessed. When I wake up in the morning, yes, or I lay my head to rest, I am blessed. Oh, He is good. Yes, he is. He's good all the time.
your testimony. Where would I be? Lord, you only know. You only see through eyes of love. Hopeless case. Yes, Lord. Was an empty place. If not for grace. Oh, an amazing grace saved me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I once was lost, but now I'm found. A hopeless case, an empty place, if not for grace. Well, let's sing it one more time. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. Yes. How sweet the sound. I once was lost. But now I'm found. Thank you for the cross. A hopeless case. An empty place. If not the grave. Can you sing it this morning? Just thank you. Oh, yeah, and I thank you for the things I can't see. Yes, you've been a shelter in the storms of life, a shield surrounding me. Oh, and I thank you for the mercies you provide. Yes, Lord, you know you could have walked away. But you stayed a thousand times Amazing grace Yes, how sweet the sound I once was lost But now I'm found Hopeless case An empty place If not for grace this morning in this house, right now, 
there are people going through things that you can't see the end of right now. Right now. You're going through things right now that you can't see the end of. How's it going to work out? Why did it happen? How, how am I going to overcome it? I'm telling you, there's an amazing grace of God that's going to walk you through it. There's an amazing grace of God that's going to walk you through. And you're going to look back and you're going to say, I thank you for the things I cannot see, that I couldn't see, that I can't see today. I thank you for the things that I cannot see. And you're going to find out when you're on the other side of it that he was faithful and that he was good and that he was amazing and that he was with you every step of the way. It's an amazing grace that walks us through. Would you sing it again? I thank you for the things I cannot see. Sing it, church. Oh, and I thank you for the things I cannot see. You've been a shelter in the storms of life, shield surrounding me. Oh, and I thank you for the mercies you provide. No, you could have walked away, but you stayed a thousand times. Yes, you did amazing grace. How sweet the sound was lost but now I've found a hopeless case an empty place if not for grace yes well, let's sing it one more time oh man I thank you for Storms of life, shields surrounding me. Oh, and I thank you, Lord. Yes, I thank you, God. I know you could have walked away, but you stayed a thousand times. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I once was so lost. Shelter in the storms of life, the shields surrounding me, and I thank you for the mercies you provide. I know you could have walked away, but you stayed a thousand times. Amazing grace, how sweet. There's an amazing flow of grace this morning for you in this house right now, right now, right now. 
There's no doubt in my mind that there's a hopeless case in this house right now. There's grace for you. There's, there's mercy for you right now. He, burdens are lifted when there's grace applied, when the blood brings grace. Come on, sing it, church. There's grace for you this morning. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound I once was lost But now I'm found A hopeless case An empty place Done for grace Where would I be? You only know only see, Lord, through eyes of love, a hopeless case, an empty place, for grace. I know what it's like to be in that place where you think that he's walked away. The enemy will try to convince you that you're alone and that he's walked away. That's why I love this old song that says you could have walked away. You could have walked away, but you stayed a thousand times. Listen, he'll, he'll stay. He'll stay when others go. He'll stay when others go. He never walks away. That's why there's no other word for his grace. It's amazing. It's amazing this morning. Sing it again. Amazing. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound I once was lost But now I'm found Hopeless case An empty place Lift on grace Thank you, Jesus. Just sing. We're not going to outrun what God's doing this morning. Sing. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. I once was lost. But now I found. A hopeless case. An empty place. If not grace. Oh, and I thank you for the things I cannot see. There is shelter in the storms of life, a shield surrounding me. And I thank you for the mercies you provide. No, you could have walked away, but you stayed a thousand times. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I once was lost, but now I've found a hopeless case, an empty place. If not for your grace.
through the door, sing it. Why do we need his presence? Sing it. In his Lord, presence. In his, his presence. There, there is joy. joy. Yes. And beyond. It's beyond measure. At his feet. <laughs> at his, his feet. There's peace of mind that yeah. can still be found. 
knowing if you have a need I know my God has the answer yes he does just reach out and claim it for you are standing on holy you thankful for the presence of a living God this morning never take his presence for granted never never this morning it is my pleasure to welcome dr. Larry Martin to mag church I could, lots of adjectives, revivalist, evangelist, missionary, scholar, author, <laughs> lots of things you could say about, but I love to say Pentecostal and all of those things and everything he does, he's Pentecostal and that's what we need today, that's what we need today. Dr. Martin, come take your liberty this morning. Good morning. Praise the Lord. What a beautiful day this is. The day the Lord has made. What a way to start the day. A wonderful breakfast. How about a hand for those people that prepared breakfast at this church today. 
Can somebody say biscuits and gravy? That's going to be at the marriage breakfast of the Lamb. I'm telling you, it's biscuits and gravy and a wonderful Sunday school class and great worship today. Wow, it's good to be in church today. Amen. I know I'm a bit overdressed. We went to a church in California a couple years ago, and we're thinking California, you know, liberals and granola state, fruits, flakes, and nuts. And I didn't even take a necktie. That's the truth. I didn't even take a necktie. And we showed up at a church for revival, and everybody in that church wore neckties. The babies wore neckties in that church. The next day, I went to Goodwill and bought me a necktie and a dress shirt. And I told them about the guy that went to a restaurant to eat, a fancy restaurant, and they said, you can't come in here without a necktie. And he said, well, I don't have a necktie. And they said, we're sorry, you can't come in. And he said, well, I'm hungry. And they said, you can't come in without a tie. Maybe you've got a tie in the car. And he went out and looked in his car, and he looked around, couldn't find anything, come back and said, I don't have a tie. And the guy said, well, you're not coming in here. And so he went back to the car and dug around, looked in the trunk and found some jumper cables and <laughs> tied them around his neck, put a knot in them, went back up to the door and said, I'm ready. And the guy said, that's not a necktie, that's jumper cables. He said, buddy, this is all I've got. It's a necktie to me. And the guy said, well, okay, we'll let you in, but don't you try to start anything. We're here to start something today. Amen. Amen. We've been looking forward to coming and being with you guys. I've been a lot of places. I've never been to Mauriceville. This is the first time ever, and I'm glad to be here. We've been admiring your pastor from afar, and it's just great to be here and get to know him a little bit better and his lovely lady, and, and it's just a joy. Now, there's something I want to make straight before we go any further and that is, I know some of y'all are looking at me and you're thinking an old fat guy, but I identify as a young skinny guy. I have been translendered. Isn't it great? Isn't it great the country we live in? I read about one kid, I think in kindergarten, that identified as a kitten. The adults in that house need to identify as parents. Need to identify a switch. My parents didn't understand time out. Boy, they understood time's up. And so did I. The children of America today wouldn't be nearly as addled if they were more paddled. Well, that's not what I'm preaching about today. How did I get off on that? I want you all to meet my lovely lady. This is Linda. I'm blessed to have her travel all over the world with me. And we uh, just a year half back celebrated our 50th anniversary. Well, don't get too excited. That was 50 months. 
we, we was married 50 months, we decided we got married late in life. If we was going to have a golden anniversary, it had to celebrate every month. So we just celebrate our anniversary every month, and we, we made 50. In fact, we're going to make 75 this year, 75th anniversary. If you want to put those, that PowerPoint up there, please. And thank you. Miss Linda, I left my remote in that black bag. Our websites are on the board if you'd like to know a little bit more about our ministry. I know you're looking us over and we're looking you over, but uh, our main ministry website is drlarrymartin.org, and we have a website on the Azusa Street Revival, and then we have uh, the Pentecostal Gold. Pastor alluded to that. Thank you very much. And, and uh, we're very happy about Pentecostal Gold. We started a website about eight or nine years ago to uh, archive classic Pentecostal preaching. And by the help and grace of God, we've got over 3,000 sermons, about 3,200 sermons archived online. The greatest preachers that uh, I believe ever walked on the planet, men like Jack Coe and A.A. A. Allen and B.H. Clendenin and Jimmy Swaggart and dozens and dozens more, women like Amy Simple McPherson. You can listen to all of them preach on Pentecostal gold, and it's all absolutely free. I see someone's got their cell phone out taking a picture. That is allowed. If you want to take a snap of those websites, then you'll remember how to find them when you go home. But everybody ought to listen to Pentecostal gold. You can listen I, I, I tried to figure it up. I think you can listen for six months straight every day without listening to the same sermon twice. That means 24 hours a day for six months on Pentecostal gold, just a tremendous uh, asset for the kingdom of God. We're, we're blessed over a 1,000 people a week now are looking at uh, different people a week are looking at Pentecostal gold. Uh, when we're not doing what we're doing today, we uh, travel across the world and uh, we try to do uh, harvest revival crusades two times a year at least this is a harvest revival crusade we had in a place called Santa Ines Brazil and uh, two years ago and uh, it was uh, we saw 3,400 people come to Jesus in five days or three days in Santa Ines can you say praise the Lord If sin souls saved don't excite you, you can't be excited, I'll tell you. That's, that's what this is about. And, uh, this is in ghetto Ethiopia. Uh, we saw 3,700 come to Christ in ghetto Ethiopia in January 2020. That was when COVID shut us down for a year. And uh, then we were in uh, Lyre, Pakistan, and saw 5,300 decisions for Christ in Lyre, Pakistan. That was uh, last October. And uh, then I was in uh, Ethiopia again in January. Maybe I'll talk about that tonight. But uh, uh, there it is, Jinka, Ethiopia. Uh, I thought I had a slide. to remove the wrong one. We're going to be in a place called Berti Supe this week in Brazil. We'll be leaving from Houston tomorrow. So please keep us in prayer. We're believing God to see thousands of people saved this week in uh, Berti Supe. And uh, so... We really appreciate your prayers on our behalf. Uh, another thing that we do, we publish books. And most of the books that we publish are on revival. We have a table sitting out in the lobby, and all the books on the table are books that we publish ourselves. You can't get them most other places, but uh, 
that on the screen there is the two latest books that we've done. This is, well, the two latest that we have, at least. We finished another one. It's not ready yet, but this book is called A Common Sense Look at the Believer, the Bible, and the Bottle. I never thought there would be a time that you'd have to have a discussion about social drinking in Pentecostal churches, but we've come to a place today that a lot of people allow it, and uh, this is a book that tells you why you shouldn't allow it. And I think that uh, it would be a blessing to you. This is a book we wrote during the time we were shut down with COVID. It's called The Good, the Bad, the Ugly, and the Hilarious. And uh, this is stories from 55 years in the ministry. I've been preaching a long time. This isn't a life story, but it's stories from my life. And there's about 75 different stories in here. Some of them make you laugh. and Some of them make you cry. People say this is the best book I've ever written. That really hurts my feelings. I've got books I spent 20 years working on, and uh, this one I spent three months writing when we were home at COVID, but uh, it's got some good stories in it. I was, I was pastor at a church in Tennessee, and uh, one Sunday morning, a guy came into the service. He was a, a professional musician. He had played for Carl Perkins, been in his band back in the day. Some of you guys with white hair remember Carl Perkins and Blue Suede Shoes or he played for Carl Perkins. He was playing at a place called the uh, Pine Ridge Club. And he came in on Sunday morning and got saved. Everybody say saved. saved. He went back that night. He had a gig at the Pine Ridge Club that night. He went out to the club to play. But he got saved Sunday morning. He was under conviction when he went in that nightclub and walked out and never went back into worldly music again. That's when people got saved and it changed their life. And uh, he went into the ministry. He's been preaching now for 40-something years and still in the ministry today. We'll be at their church in Nashville in uh, July but, uh, or June. Anyway, uh, he got saved, and we had a little band. We'd travel around. I'd preach, and they'd sing. And we went to a church in Henderson, Tennessee, and he had invited a guy to go along with us and play steel guitar. Guy didn't know anything about God, but he knew how to play steel guitar. He, he had one claim to fame. Uh, he had, he was a, a, had been an attorney in our little town, but he got disbarred, and so he just did uh, some paralegal stuff. But he had one claim to fame. He was a deputy in that movie about Buford Pusser. Y'all remember that movie, Walking Tall? Well, he, he was one of the deputies in that movie. Well, we invited him to go with us and play the steel guitar, and we had the service, and I preached and gave an altar call, and at the end of the service, we were gathering up the equipment, and I turned around, and he'd lit up a cigar. He was on the platform of the church smoking a cigar. I told the fellow that brought him, I said, you're going to have to talk to this guy that you brought with him. And he went and talked to him about his cigar, and he, he didn't ever go with us again. But, uh, you know, you expect an Assembly of God church, there'd be fire on the altar. But that morning, there was smoke on the altar. <laughs> it, it was a stogie smoke, and that's in this little book. This book is called Have We Lost Our Mind? I wrote this book about the crazy contradictions we have in our churches today. When I grew up in Pentecost, my daddy wouldn't let us put a penny in a gumball machine because he said that was gambling. We were trying to get a toy, a, a trinket out instead of gum. We were gambling. And now we've got Assembly of God people that go to casinos and lottery tickets and think nothing about it. I got in serious trouble one time for saying Jiminy Cricket. Daddy said, that's swearing. You can't say that. And we got preachers that preach in the that cuss in the pulpit today while they're preaching. 
And to me, it's, we've lost our mind. And that's what this book is about, the contradictions that we see today. And very quickly, this book is about the Azusa Street Revival. And you can get this book for a dollar if you buy any other book off the table. But this book I'm going to give to the man that has the prettiest wife here today. Who are you? I'm going to come and get it. Looky there. I'm going to give this book to the man that has, or excuse me, to the woman that has the best husband. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I can't tell you how many times I've done that, and a man runs up and gets that book for the prettiest wife, and I say the best husband, and somebody on the other side of the room comes, and she just sits there. I said, you ought to appreciate that man that come up there and said you were beautiful. Amen? Well, yeah, amen? Well, let's get right to the Word of God. That's why we're here this morning. Turn with me to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 1. Y'all don't get quiet now. You'll make me nervous. We have some prayer cards on our table. Please take a prayer card and remember to pray for us quite seriously. We'll be uh, just in, in Brazil on Tuesday night starting our conference for our campaign and be working in the schools there and, and just believe in God for a great, great move. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, I think I said that. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? That has to be one of the best texts in all the Bible. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul added, of whom I am chief. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning. Lord, what a pleasure it is to be at MAG today. Thank you for this church. Lord, thank you for this pastor. Thank you for this worship team that brought us into your presence today. Now, Lord, I ask you that you would anoint us with power from on high. Lord, I pray that lives would be changed today. Forever changed by the grace of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to preach to you this morning on the subject, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. And, it, and, it, and it's coming. And it's coming. Ah, there it is. Jesus saves. Jimmy Groves is a friend of mine. When Jimmy was 
24 years old, he was living in Lexington, Kentucky. Jimmy was raised in the Assembly of God Parsonage, but he had wandered away from the Lord and wasn't serving God, living in Lexington. There was an Assembly of God church in Lexington. The pastor's name was Brother Snyder. Brother Snyder was a good man, a good pastor. He knew Jimmy was backslid, and he was on Jimmy's case. He'd invite him to church. Jimmy come to church. Jimmy'd say, no, I got this going, I got that going, didn't want to come to church. One Sunday morning, Jimmy came to church and brought his kids with him to church. And during the song service, they started singing that song, I have heard the joyful sound Jesus saves. Jimmy was under such conviction that he got his brood and walked out, just straight out of the building, couldn't stand it, and went home. I said Brother Snyder was a good pastor. That afternoon, he was knocking on Jimmy's door and saying, Jimmy, I, I saw you in church this morning, but I saw you left early. I just wanted to make sure everything was all right. And, and Jimmy said, yeah, you know, this excuse, that excuse. And Brother Snyder said, Jimmy, we're starting revival tonight. Boy, I'd love to see you come tonight to revival. Would you, would you come to revival tonight? And, and Jimmy hem-hauled around and couldn't get around it and finally said, okay, Brother Snyder, I'll be there tonight. And he, he came to the service. There was an evangelist there named Brother Godwin. And Brother Godwin got up and preached the word of God. Gave an altar call at the end of the service and the conviction of the Holy Spirit was so strong you could cut it with a knife and Jimmy groves got up out of his seat and went down to the altar and prayed through and got right with God. I'm telling you, he got so right with God, washed in the blood of Jesus, saved by God's... Did I say Jesus saves? Jimmy Groves got saved, and he went up after the service to meet the evangelist, and he said, Hello, my name is Jimmy Groves, and I just got saved tonight. And Brother Godwin said, Jimmy Groves... You are Jimmy Groves. He said, you know, I live in Ripley, Tennessee, and I left Ripley this morning on my way to Lexington for revival tonight, and I stopped at a little church in Princeton, Kentucky this morning because it was church time, and I wanted to go to church. And he said, at the end of the service, I introduced myself to the pastor and told him I was an evangelist and I was on my way to Lexington. And that pastor said, oh, I've got a son that lives in Lexington, and he's backslid. His name is Jimmy. Would you pray for my son right now? He said, we stood on the platform of your daddy's church in Princeton, Kentucky, and prayed for you this morning. And that very morning, or that very evening, Jimmy Groves came and gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came to this earth to save sinners. Hallelujah! Charles Ogden, one of the greatest evangelists I ever met, one of my dear friends, went to be with Jesus a year and a half or so ago. Brother Ogden was 12 years old. His family was non-religious. They weren't just non-Christian, they were non-religious. They didn't go to church, they didn't have any, any background at all in church. And One day they were sitting out in the yard, back in the day when people sat out on the porch because it's too hot to sit in the house, and they were sitting out on the porch and talking, his parents and his grandparents, and 
And Charles was sitting out under a cottonwood tree, and they were talking, and they got to talking about a revival. And there was a revival under a brush arbor, and Charles had never heard that expression before, brush arbor. He didn't know what a brush arbor was, but he thought about that and tried to picture in his mind what was a brush arbor. And while he was thinking about that, a voice spoke to him and said, Charles, you're going to be a preacher. And he thought, I can't be a preacher. How can I be a preacher? I don't even go to church. I I don't know anything about church or about preaching or about the Bible. I can't be a preacher. He didn't think another thing about it. You know how you are at 12 years old. It just passed through his mind until Charles was 16 years old. He was going to high school in Gans, Oklahoma, and he went to the water fountain in Gans, Oklahoma, and bent over to drink water. And when he bent over to take a drink, a voice spoke to him and says, Charles, you need to get saved. He turned around to see who was speaking to him, and there was nobody there. No one was around. It was God that had spoken to him and said, Charles, you need to get saved. He thought, well, if God spoke to me to get saved, I better get saved. So that day on his way home from school, he stopped at the first house he came to. And he said, do you know anybody that's having church tonight? And they said, no, Charles, we don't know anybody having church tonight. He stopped at the next house. I'm not making this up. He stopped at the next house and said, do y'all know anybody having church tonight? And they said, we don't know anybody, Charles. And he stopped at the next and the next and the next. He went to every house on the road between the school and his house until he finally came to the very last house and knocked on the door and said, do you know anybody having church tonight? And the lady said, no, Charles, I'm sorry, I don't. And he walked off in the yard thinking maybe that wasn't God that spoke to him because nobody was having church. And the lady opened the screen door and said, Charles, just a minute. I did hear that the holiness people were having a brush arbor revival. And he heard that word brush arbor. And that was the same word he remembered his parents talking about when he was 12 years old. And he said, brush arbor, where's it at? And she told him and she said, but that was two weeks ago. I don't know if they're still having revival now or not. So Charles got home that night, did all of the chores around the house, got his sister to help him, and they cooked supper. When his mom and dad got home from work, they had supper on the table, and his dad said, Charles, I know you're up to something. What do you want? And he said, Dad, can we go to church tonight? And his daddy said, Son, we don't go to church He said, but would you take me to church tonight? They're having a brush arbor meeting. The holiness people having a brush arbor meeting. Well, his dad thought it was kind of crazy, and Charles didn't dare tell him. He didn't know if it was over or not. He wanted to go to revival. They took him to revival, and his mom and dad sat in the car, and Charles went down to brush arbor revival down on the front row. And he said they started singing. And they sang, and they sang, and they sang. How many of y'all remember when we used to sing all five verses and get to the chorus and just ride on the chorus for a while? If it was good, we'd go back and pick up the verses again. And they sang and sang, and he didn't think they was ever going to quit singing. And then they started testifying, and everybody that testified preached a little bit, and they testified and testified and testified, and he didn't think they was ever going to quit. And then they started singing again, and they sang, and his daddy came down and said, Charles, we got to go home. we got to work tomorrow. It's getting late. He said, Dad, I can't go home. I'm here tonight. I, I come to get saved. 
And he said that they kept on and kept on. His dad came down again and said, Charles, let's go home. He said, Daddy, you can go home if you want to, but I'm staying till it's over. Then the preacher got up to preach, and he preached, and he preached, and he preached, and he preached, and finally, he gave an altar call and said, anybody wants to get saved? And that's what Charles had been waiting on since they started. And he went down to the altar, never been to church before, went down to the altar and got saved, gloriously saved. Washington, did I tell you, Jesus Christ saved. This is a saint that's worthy that you ought to accept it, that Christ Jesus came to save sinners. Some of y'all ought to be more excited than you are. Did, did you forget that he saved you? That night, they got home from, from the brush harbor, and Charles' mom and daddy started getting ready for bed. His daddy's sitting on the side of the bed taking his shoes off, and Charles was standing in the bedroom door. And he looked up and he said, Charles, what do you want? 16-year-old kid standing in the bedroom door. And he said, Daddy, we can't go to bed. We haven't prayed. They'd never prayed one night in that house. But Charles said, we can't go to bed because we hadn't prayed. And so they gathered around and said a prayer before they went to bed. They'd never prayed before, but there was never another night in the Ogden house that they didn't pray before they went to bed because Charles got saved. He got saved. They got up the next morning and they're sitting at the breakfast table and his daddy said, Charles, you're not going to eat? You're not hungry? Are you sick? He said, no, daddy, we can't eat because we hadn't prayed. They had never prayed over their food before, but his daddy looked at him and said, okay, preacher, you can pray. And Charles prayed, and they never ate another meal in the Ogden house without praying over their food because Charles Ogden got saved that day. And he won his mother, and he won his daddy, and he won his brother Tom, and he won his brother Jerry. And Tom and Jerry preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, and Jerry is still preaching today because somebody got saved. It's a faithful saying, Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Oh, hallelujah. I went to Russia back before the fall of the Soviet Union. Went over there with a group of people we'd hoped to make connection with the underground church. and They were afraid of us, and we were afraid of them. And We didn't get much done that we'd hoped to do. I was able to do uh, evangelize one young man. And I, I don't have time to tell the story, but there was a guy with us on that trip whose name was Jim, Brother Jim. Brother Jim preached at college campuses, I meant his ministry was to go from one college to another. He was a street preacher, and he would stand on the campus of colleges and preach the gospel. He got egged and rocked and stoned and cussed and you name it, but he would go from campus to campus preaching the gospel. Well, he wasn't always a preacher. Jim was a sinner. I'm talking about a sinner sinner, and he was a drug addict. And he went to a concert 
a rock concert with the band Van Halen. Y'all heard of Van Halen? He went to a Van Halen concert in a big, the, big amphitheater, and there was, there was so much marijuana smoke, he said, you could get high just smelling the air because so many people in there were high and on dope, and, and, and Jim was on drugs like all the rest of them. And right in the middle of that concert, listen, church, I, I'm not making any of this up. Jesus saves. Right in the middle of that concert, Eddie Van Halen took the stage and made this bold statement. He said, not even Jesus Christ could save your soul in a Van Halen concert. Not even Jesus Christ could save your soul in a Van Halen concert. What a stupid thing to say. Because that very moment, it was like a light came down out of heaven in that dark room filled with marijuana smoke and the conviction of the Holy Ghost came on Jim and Jim got saved. I mean, he asked Jesus to come into his heart and wash his sins away and right in the middle of a Van Halen Shut your mouth, Eddie Van Halen. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came to this earth to save sinners. And no matter where you are or what you're doing or what you have done, he can save you today. Hallelujah. My uncle Andrew Frazier he was married to my Aunt Rosie. I believe he was her fifth husband. Might have been six husbands. She was kind of like Elizabeth Taylor. When she got married, she said, I won't see you long. Uncle Andrew was old. He was dying. He was in the hospital. My daddy went to see him. My daddy wasn't a preacher. He was a deacon. He was a good deacon. If you're going to be a deacon, be a good deacon. My daddy was a good deacon, and he went to see Uncle Andrew and told him he needed to get saved. He knew he was dying. And Andrew said, Marvin, I don't know how to pray. That'd be a sad place to be, wouldn't it? And my daddy said, Andrew, you can talk to God just like you talk to me. All you've got to do is pray. And that old man... And that hospital bed began to pray. And he said, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That's the only thing he knew to pray. And he slipped into a coma and off into eternity that night. And I believe when I get to heaven, Andrew's going to be there because Jesus saves. I said, did you hear me? Because Jesus saves. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came to save sinners. Linda and I have a dear friend over in Houston. His name is Charles Maskeyer. Charles is retired now. He, he used to be the, in the psychology department at the university there in Houston. At one time, he was a, uh, in the psychology department at the University of Texas at Austin. You know, the team that we Oklahomans beat every year. At the, 
Oh, come on. <laughs> we have a dear friend, Jason Stidham. I was in an antique store the other day and found an orange tie with a longhorn at the bottom of it, and I bought it and sent it to Jason. It pained me greatly to buy that, I'm telling you. It hurt me. Anyway, back to my story. Charles was a professor of psychology. He was studying for his degree. He was in New York. And Billy Graham came to Madison Square Garden. I don't know if you know anything of Billy Graham's history. He was pretty well unknown. He held a great meeting in Los Angeles. And, and uh, for weeks and hundreds of people got saved. And the, the publisher at that time, Randolph Hearst said to his publishing firm, Pump Graham, or Puff Graham. And they began to put Billy Graham in all their newspapers, and pretty soon he was a worldwide sensation. He went from Los Angeles to New York, and he was at Madison Square Garden. That's where Charles went to hear him. Charles didn't want to go hear the gospel preached. He thought he was all right, a nominal Christian. He wanted to go and study that crowd psychology. What was it that made those people respond to Billy Graham? He, he was studying psychology, as I said. He was at the very top row at that arena, Madison Square Garden, and he said he felt such conviction the first night that it literally held the pole to, in front of him to keep from moving from his seat. He went back several nights, and, and that, that original initial feeling wasn't there. He went one night, and he took his girlfriend. She's now Mrs. Myskyer, and, and they were sitting up there in the top row, and Billy Graham preached. She was a Presbyterian pastor's daughter. But when Billy Graham preached and gave his invitation, she took off for the front, went down to get saved, leaving Charles by himself. He's sitting there thinking about all he's seen and heard. and He said, you know, if I felt what I felt on that first night, I believe I'd get up and go down. And there was this wave of the Holy Ghost that came over him, convicting. And he stood up to go to the front, and when he looked around, nobody was moving. The invitation was over. Billy Graham was done. He had missed it. It was his opportunity, and he missed it. And Billy Graham, world-famous evangelist, looked up in that arena and saw him standing and said, Sir, we have time for you. And Charles went down on the floor of that arena and gave his heart to Jesus that day, and he served him, I don't know, 70 years. Faithfully served him because Jesus Christ came to save sinners. If you are here this morning, if you're watching this on live stream and there's sin in your life, if you're here today and you're walking in rebellion against God, maybe at one time you served the Lord, but today you've grown cold and indifferent and you're not serving God today. He sent me from Duncan, Oklahoma to tell you this morning that Jesus saves. Jesus saves. He'll save you today. I knew a fellow named Maurice Hart. I was part of a group called The Fellowship, and Maurice Hart was a member of that group. 
and Maury's heart pastored in Omaha, Nebraska. And he had this thing about him. He was, he was Pentecostal to the bone. But he had this thing about him that he'd say, Great God Almighty. I don't mean great God Almighty. I mean great God Almighty. And he'd be sitting on the platform and somebody sing a song that touched him just right. And he'd jump up and say, Great God Almighty. And he'd be preaching in the middle of a message. Great God Almighty. It was just kind of the thing that identified him. Well, Maurice Hart had a friend named Clyde Barrel. And Maurice Hart drove the car for Clyde Barrel and his gang. And they stopped at a tent revival on Lancaster Street in Dallas, Texas and sat on the fender of the car and listened to a preacher preach. And Maurice Hart heard the gospel and went down to the altar and asked Jesus to come into his heart and take his sins away. And he went to Nebraska and pastored a church and Bonnie and Clyde went to Louisiana. And you know what happened to them? Is it any wonder that Maurice Hart said, Great God Almighty. Great God Almighty. Oh, if you was as lost as some people was lost. If you was as going to hell as some people were going to hell. If you had as much sin as some people had sin. You might say great God Almighty today too. Because Jesus saves. <laughs> Jesus saves. I'm closing. The great apostle Paul that wrote these words that I read to you this morning. What an awful man he was. He was religious. Going to church isn't going to save you. Billy Sunday used to say, joining a church and signing a card, you might as well walk in a barn door and sign your name on it. You're not going to get saved by going to church. You're not going to get saved by getting baptized in water. You can go to hell with baptismal waters on your face. You can go to hell with the church membership card in your pocket. You can go to hell with an Assemblies of God ordination certificate hanging on your wall. Paul was religious. Saul of Tarsus. He was so religious that he hated Jesus. He hated Christians. When they stoned Stephen to death, he held their coats so they could get a better swing at him. He was going to Damascus. He had a decree from the high priest to go to Damascus and arrest Christians. They weren't going to arrest them so that they could treat them well. They were going to persecute them and imprison them and murder them. And he was on his way to do that. This awful man, Saul of Tarsus, but almost to Damascus, a light shined out of heaven, brighter than the noonday sun, knocked him to his back, and a voice said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the voice said, I'm Jesus, who you've been persecuting. And that's all it took. I said, that's all it took. Right there, right then, at that, don't you tell folks, 
it's hard to get saved. Don't you tell folks there's 10 steps or 12 steps or three steps. There ain't but one step right there. He said, Lord, what would you have me to do? And Saul got saved and became Paul of the apostle Saul of Tarsus became Paul the apostle because Jesus Christ saved sinners. And no wonder he said, and I'm the chief of them all. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. I have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Bear the news to every land. Climb the steeps and cross the ways. Onward tis our Lord's command. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Give the wind a mighty voice. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Let the nations now rejoice. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Shout salvation full and free. Highest hills and deepest caves. This our song of victory. What? 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 Jesus saves. Hallelujah. Would you bow your heads this morning? Father, thank you for coming to visit us today. We have felt your presence from the time this meeting began. Thank you for visiting us fresh and new with your Holy Spirit. Father, I'm asking you to move across this room, moving across the airways to those that listen and hear and see. Lord, speak to every heart. Change every life. Lord, somebody here today needs to get saved don't let them walk out of this room don't let them turn off the computer or the TV let them get saved in Jesus name your heads are bowed please and nobody's looking around doesn't matter what you've done. You may have embarrassed yourself, embarrassed your friends, embarrassed your family. doesn't matter what you've done. There's nothing you can do to make God stop loving you. Jesus Christ, God's Son, died on the cross to save you from sin. You're in this room today and there's sin in your life. I'm going to be real honest. You might be pretending that everything's all right, but you know it's not. You know you need Jesus to forgive you of your sins. You know you need his saving grace today. 
Nobody's looking around. It's just between me and you and God right now. You'd say, Pastor, I need Jesus to forgive me my sins today. I need that saving grace. Would you slip your hand up and say, pray for me. God bless you. God bless you. Who else? Lift your hand up. You can put it back down. I'm going to pray for you. Who else? I need God's saving grace today. Put your hand up and back down. Young people, I've seen many of you worshiping and seeking God, but I know there's some young people here you need to get saved today. You need to surrender your life to Jesus. You've been running too long. It's time to get saved. Slip your hand up and say, pray for me. Preacher, I need Jesus to save me today. Who else? Anybody? Yes, amen. Amen. I have heard that joyful sound. Jesus saves. Would you stand with me across the room? Father, you've spoken to some hearts today. I know you have. Some have responded. May they go all the way with you. In Jesus' name. Now, I'm going to ask everybody here to do me a favor today. Everybody. You don't know me. You say, I don't know you. No, you don't know me anything. But I'm asking you to do me a favor. In about a minute, two minutes, I'm going to ask you to turn to the person standing beside you and ask them this question. Now, listen, don't do it until I tell you to, but ask them this question. Do you need Jesus to forgive your sins? I'm not talking about embarrassing people, putting people on the spot. I'm just, you're going to ask them a question, and everybody's going to do it, all right? This Heather's going to ask the pastor. She knows he's saved, but if she don't ask him, somebody might get left unasked, and we want everybody to be asked the question. Do you need Jesus to forgive your sins? When they ask you that question, don't you lie. Do you know people have been struck dead for lying in church? I'm not going to tell you that it happened to you, but I wouldn't want to chance it. Don't you lie. If you need your sins forgiven, you say yes, and they're going to take you by the hand, and they're going to bring you down to the front. Some people have already raised their hands, so we know some are ready to come, but we want everybody to do it. We want every person to ask the person on their right and left. You say, well, it's my husband or my wife. That's okay. It's okay. I was preaching the gospel one time, had things in my heart that shouldn't be there, and somebody turned to me in a service like this and said, do you need Jesus to forgive your sins? And I said yes and went to that altar, and it was one of the greatest days of my life. Don't try to cover it up. Are you ready? Turn to the person next to you and say, do you need Jesus to forgive your sins? If they say yes, bring them to this altar right now, will you? Bring them right now to this altar. Come on. 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 Jesus. 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 Would everybody join us? We'd love to have everybody join us. We're not going to hold you long. I'll turn this back to pastor in just a little bit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I'm a newcomer here, so I don't know who's up here for the first time or the hundredth time, 
But I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter if it's the first time or the hundredth time. If you need to get right with Jesus, you've made the right decision today. So we're all going to pray the same prayer together. I want to ask you to put your hand on your heart. Every person here, put your, the reason I ask you to put your hand on your heart, did you know you can miss heaven by 18 inches? You can have religion in your head and not have Jesus in your heart, and that 18 inches will keep you out of heaven. So we're going to pray from our heart. I'm going to give you some words to pray, but they're not coming out of here. They're coming out of here. Okay, let's pray together. Say this out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you that he lived, that he died, that he rose again, that he lived forever to take my sins away. Forgive me my sins. Wash me in your blood. Give me a clean heart. By your grace, I believe that you heard my prayer and my sins are forgiven. Now with your help, I'm not going back. I'm not going to commit those sins. I'm going to live for you every day of my life. In Jesus' name. Now if you meant that, Raise your hands and give him some praise right now. Raise your hands and give him some praise right now. Now, as I said, I'm new here, so I don't know who's making this decision for the first time or many times. And if you brought somebody up here that needs extra prayer, be sure they get that prayer. Talk to pastor or some of the leaders of the church and make sure they get extra prayer. And we want to make sure that we're sure that everyone is right with God today. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Aren't you glad you came to church today? Turn to somebody. And don't say it like you're ashamed of it. Say it like you mean it. Jesus says. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus saves. Amen. God bless you, Pastor. Thank you. Hallelujah.